0: Or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Well, welcome back. And this week, I thought I'd talk a little bit about something that most of us are familiar with. And that's a feeling of being overwhelmed by life every once in a while, right? So the title I'm giving, tentative title I'm calling today's talk, is Not Allowing Life to Overwhelm You. Now, let's not be naive. In everyone's life, there are times of intense struggle, intense chaos, uncertainty, times where we're crippled by our emotions. We just feel we can't move. We're paralyzed. And when you're in such a state, well, it's hard to think rationally it's hard to do just about anything these are times we want to give up we just feel so and there's that word overwhelmed now fortunately i do have a strategy for you a self coaching strategy to get you through these tough times so let's let's jump right into it and i'll start out first by just reintroducing a favorite topic of mine and that's my wave theory that each wave represents the chaotic moments in our life the challenges the difficulties and everyone and every life has waves and waves come and waves go now when a wave comes we are caught up we are embroiled in the difficulties of what's going on in the moment As the wave recedes, we are then gently put back down. Well, maybe sometimes not so gently. We wind up back in the trough state. And that's the state, the potential state of quiescence where we can regroup and function more quote normally. So speaking of waves, let me tell you about a wave that I encountered when I was a youngster. There was some rather large, I would have to say, eight maybe larger waves that were coming in, much, much higher than I was at eight years old. I knew enough to dive into the wave, but this one wave was cresting right over my head, and it was about to come crashing down on top of me, and it did. And this was a rough and very scary thing to happen, because when I got pummeled by this wave, I got disoriented. I became overwhelmed. I didn't know what was up and what was down. I started to swim frantically. I actually swam into the ground, bumping my head. Now, I did swallow some water. I did survive or I wouldn't be here today. But that was a feeling of being overwhelmed. And I think it kind of encapsulates what being overwhelmed feels like. We're so disoriented. Our perspective has been kind of just shifted that we, we really don't know what's up and what's down. We're just kind of paralyzed. But there is that panic and we want to do something to protect ourselves. So as I say, if you're human, you've been overwhelmed. And the extent, of course, depends on circumstances. Sometimes we become overwhelmed by an immediate punch in the gut. Sometimes it's cumulative. It happens over time. And then it's that that last event that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Just feel you can't go on. You become so short-sighted and impulsive that you just want to throw in the towel and quit. When I was in graduate school, I was preparing my dissertation, the Facial Interpersonal Perception Inventory. And I had interviewed uh, and, and just generated data for over 100 people. And I needed to put all this data into a computer and run a program called Multiple Linear Regression, which you don't need to know about. But nevertheless, it's something you could do on your iPhone right now. But back then in the 70s, Computers were, well, just beginning to make an impact. But this particular statistic was not capable of any of the smaller computers available. I believe they were the old Apple IIs or something. <laughs> I think I had a Commodore 64, if any of you go back that far. So I had to go to the uh, the Navy down in San Diego. And the Navy had one of the largest computers on, on the West Coast. And I managed to to arrange for some time on their computer. And after finishing, I was told that the, the data, the finished statistic, would be left in my mailbox at school. And they told me it would take about a week. So I waited. A week went by. Two weeks went by. Into the third week, I'm starting to get a little nervous. By the end of the third week, nothing in my mailbox. So I went back to the naval base, and I checked in and found out that it had been in my mailbox. And now it was gone. So two and a half years of data collection, two and a half years of research, it was gone. No one knew where it was. Whether some nefarious agent had come and pulled it out of my mailbox, I don't know. But nevertheless, I became quickly overwhelmed with emotion. My anxiety was through the roof. I was so overwhelmed, I went home, and I started packing my my suitcases and throwing everything into my car, and I started back for New Jersey. My impulses ruled. I just quit. That was it. It just couldn't take it. I decided I would stop on the way to New Jersey at my friend Rob's house to say goodbye. Rob, who had perspective at that moment, physically held me down and said, no, you're not going home. You're going to stay here. You're going to calm down. Well, long story short, I did stay and I did redo my data and redo my dissertation and revisited the Navy computer. But I was so overwhelmed that my whole career could have been jeopardized by the impulsivity of the moment. This is what being overwhelmed can do. It is that total loss of perspective. And this could be a dangerous place, obviously. So what can we do? What can we do when we're overwhelmed by circumstances, by the news we see at, uh, at night on the TV, by things that happen at work, by relationships that break up? By What do we do? What can we do when we're in such a state where, like my wave, I didn't know which way to swim and I wound up swimming in the wrong direction? So what can we do when we're in such a tumultuous state of disorientation? Well, let me suggest one thing. You can begin by realizing that sometimes doing nothing is in fact doing something. Now I know this sounds a little bit naive, especially if you're dealing with serious medical issues or a loss of a job or the breakup of your marriage like me swimming in my wave, you've got to be careful. You could wind up going in the wrong direction. Sometimes we need to hang on. And just like Rob was instrumental in holding me down, sometimes you need to hold on. You need to take a deep breath, quite literally. And rather than doing more damage, you need to just find a handhold. Now, I I know it's confusing to, to say do nothing, but but let me ask you to look back at your life. Recall moments where you were overwhelmed. Take a second, just think about that. And and let me ask you, what happened in those moments? Well, one way or another, you got through. And one way or another, you found that trough state. You were let go of the wave. And your life went on, one way or another. So for starters, understand that we humans, well, We're adaptive critters. We make adjustments. We find alternatives. Sometimes we forget and we move on. We forget the pain. We forget the infliction of damage and we move on. And in a nutshell, we humans were designed to be resilient. So, what if two Stone Age characters, let's call them Fred and Wilma Flintstone, were sitting around feeling overwhelmed with life? You know, prehistoric life can be pretty overwhelming. If they were just sitting around being overwhelmed, that would put them in jeopardy. They would soon become saber-toothed tiger food if they didn't figure out how to make clubs and, and spears and how to make fire and design warm clothes to keep warm. So they did this rather than being overwhelmed by prehistoric life. How did they do it? Well, they did this because Fred and Wilma were fortunate enough to have what I'll call the resilient gene. And because they had the resilient gene, they survived. They had a child called Pebbles. If you watch the cartoon, you'll know what I'm talking about. And they were able to pass on the resilient gene gene to you. Now, that's how natural selection works. Yeah, this will make it clear. Think Think of squirrels. Now, sometimes you'll see squirrels on the road that have been hit by cars. This is unfortunate. But my theory is that if you think about natural selection, that there are some squirrels out there that have really good peripheral vision. So that squirrel may enter the street and with his his or her peripheral vision, see a car coming down the street, and that squirrel will, will retreat. Squirrels without peripheral vision get smushed. So the peripheral vision squirrels will procreate and pass on their peripheral vision to their offspring. And eventually in the years to come, all the squirrels of the world will adapt and they will no longer be hit by cars. That's natural selection. That's the resilient gene that you have. Not that you <laughs> Not that you're avoiding cars and- per- no no, I don't mean that you have squirrel peripheral vision. I mean that the resilient gene was handed down to you because it worked. It was successful in terms of human adaptation to the environment. So there you have it. You're designed by nature by natural selection to be resilient and one thing about being resilient is just understanding that waves pass, they come, they go. And you do wind up in that trough state. So there is a perspective that can be very helpful. And what could be even more helpful is to go back, as I asked you before, look at the times where you were overwhelmed and the times where change happened, the loss of a job, a relationship, a diagnosis. But you adapted. Somehow you found a way to adapt. Once the wave let you go and those intense emotions receded, you found a way. And as time went on, whatever that challenge was has now become more or less muted and you've gone on with your life. You've moved on. So the next time you're overwhelmed and you're in one of these rough wave states, one thing that can really help you is a foundation of optimism. If you believe that things will work out then you're putting yourself in a pretty good position to weather the storm. So cultivating optimism doesn't necessarily happen while you're in a wave state, while you're being overwhelmed, but it's an attitude that you can cultivate in your life. Optimism is synonymous with hope that things will work out. Now, if you trust that you have a resiliency, a resilient gene, well, then and also, if you look at the history that you've gone through and the many times that you have handled such intense, chaotic moments, you'll realize that well, even though you can't see how, you'll get by. The wave will recede, and you will adapt, and you'll find a way. Now, let me tell you a story, as in story, a little tale about a farmer, and it's called Maybe. This will help you understand an attitude that can be really instrumental in helping you not only survive being overwhelmed, but to more or less help you hold on and get to the other side. So there was this old farmer who worked his crops for many years. And one day his horse ran away. Upon hearing the news, his neighbors came to visit. Such bad luck, they said, sympathetically. Maybe, the farmer replied. The next day, the horse returned, bringing three other wild horses. How wonderful, the neighbors exclaimed. Maybe, replied the old man. The following day, his son tried to ride one of the untamed horses and was thrown off and broke his leg. The neighbors again came by to offer their sympathy on his misfortune. Maybe answered the farmer. And the day after, military officials came to the village to draft young men into the army. Seeing that the son's leg was broken, they passed him by. The neighbors congratulated the farmer on how well things had turned out. Maybe, said the farmer. So you see, the Zen farmer, he refused to fall into a panic, a trap of pessimism. He refused to allow himself to be overwhelmed. Now, this would be where, in, in the farmer's case, he's not necessarily being optimistic or pessimistic, but he is being realistic in that you can't predict, even though the world seems to be flailing apart at any given moment, even though you feel you just can't get through what you've just been told, even though you lost your job and don't know how you'll pay the mortgage. Sometimes, like the farmer, you really need to embrace maybe. Now, of course, the temptation is when things go awry and things start to become tumultuous, the temptation, of course, is to start projecting doom and gloom. You've got to ward this off. This is part of an impulsive reaction. We just seem to melt down into a more primitive state of disorientation. Now, if you don't have a foundation of optimism, okay, then be like the Zen farmer. Maybe things will work out. Calm yourself down. Just do not allow yourself to cling to the doom and gloom projections of insecurity. And remember, waves come and waves go. You've been through many periods of your life, and if you're like me and everyone else, there have been opportunities to observe yourself when you've been overwhelmed. I'm glad I went back and finished my dissertation. In the moment of my own chaos, I didn't know how I would do that. I wish I wish I were able to have said to myself, maybe I could go back. But it took Rob to hold me down, and he was my old farmer. He was my source of maybe. Actually, he was my source of optimism. He believed in me. So waves come and waves go. And you must try to trust your instinctual capacity for resilience. Now, that's really critical to embrace because it is in your genetic makeup. If you, as I said earlier, let go and do nothing, there's still a resiliency within you that's capable of resolving that which has you pinned down. And if you're willing to do nothing, to trust your capacity for adaptation, then you'll get to that trough state. And that's the state where things seem to fall back into more of a normal emotional resiliency. We are survival machines. And resiliency is one of those genetic endowments that you can come to trust when you're disoriented and you're swimming in the wrong direction just I'm going to say take a deep breath <laughs> not if you're not if you're under water with a wave but if you're not under water with a wave take a deep breath hold on try to become more present you see because being overwhelmed is all an internal experience in the mind yeah there are circumstances happening all around us but being overwhelmed that kind of suffering well that's that's within Try this little technique. I'm sure it'll help if if you're caught up and you're just needing to ground yourself, you're needing to not flee back to New Jersey as I was going to do. We have five senses. I want you to enlist all of those senses to keep you grounded, to keep you from indulging the panicky thoughts, the anxiety thoughts. And if you do this technique, do it with complete attention, and you'll see that basically you can grab yourself as Rob did with me and ground yourself. So, the first thing you want to do is you want to list five things that you can see in front of you. So, wherever you are, see five things. Like right now, I'm seeing a clock, I'm seeing a speaker, I'm seeing, etc. So the first thing you want to do is list five things that you can see. The next thing you want to do is list four things that you can touch. Now, I can touch my speaker. It's right here on my desk, my coffee cup, etc. Next, three things you can hear. Pay attention. You hear the air conditioner or heater going on and off, the wind rustling, cars in the distance. Okay. And two things that you can smell. Not easy. What does it smell like? If you can't smell two things in your immediate environment, conjure up a smell that you've had before, the smell of pumpkin pie. The smell of, I don't know, cotton candy. <laughs> and lastly, one thing that you can taste. Listerine, for example. Something <laughs> that can be weird tasting. So, do those five things, five, four, three, two, one. And what it does is it's going to more or less force you to pay attention to things outside of your panicky thoughts. And that's the the whole essence of being present. So, let, let me be clear it's not the loss of a job or the breakup of a relationship. Life doesn't bring us to our knees, we do. It's our interpretations, how we judge things. And if you are pessimistic, then of course, you're going to be bringing yourself down. Another favorite Zen expression, seven times down, eight times up. That's resiliency. That would be the definition of resiliency. And try to remember that. Seven times down, eight times up. No matter how many times you get pummeled with resiliency, you'll always get up again. So with that, I wish you all resiliency this week and every week. And I would also ask you to check out my latest book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. And let me tell you why I'm so hell-bent on this book, because it really can help you how to stop worrying and anticipating or trying to control life. You can start living more spontaneously from a neuroplasticity standpoint, you could actually begin to rewire your brain to give you the life that you want, and more importantly, the life that you deserve. So hop on over to Amazon and take a look on learning anxiety and depression. And if you want more information, go to my website, selfcoaching.net. And until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, it's not an option. <laughs> by definition, victims are powerless, and you're not powerless. And remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join me every week. And what do you say we make it simple Leaving together? Yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. Follow your heart.